not enough that you build a water treatment plant, but it's very important that everybody actually has access to water supply. The quality of that water supply is good. Hello and welcome to the season two of Understanding the Future. I'm your host Punit Gandhi and Climate Center for Cities is excited to bring to you a podcast about the future of work in the field of climate change, urban development, sustainability and innovation. We will talk to experts working on ground as well as in the top management of government and non-governmental organizations to better understand how the field looks like in future. This will help us in preparing to enable climate actions as well as gauge the type of skill sets and jobs that would be required in future to solve complex challenges. If you are listening to it for the first time, do tune into Season 1. Hello and welcome to the Season 2 of Understanding the Future. I am your host Punit Gandhi. And today we have two guests with us. We have with us Meera Mehtaji and Dinesh Mehtaji. They are both Professor Emeritus at the SEPT University and Executive Director of the Center for Water and Sanitation at CRDF. They will help us understand the future of urban water supply and sanitation. Welcome to the show. Uh, So we would like to start the conversation here because we are talking about urban water supply and sanitation. So what? let's jump into why do we need this as an integral part of the city? Hi, Punit. Uh, first of all, thanks for getting us on this uh, podcast. I think this is a very important series of podcasts that NIUA has organized and we are quite happy to be a part of that. And we are happy that you are looking at water and sanitation in the context of future of cities. And the reason that it is important is that, for example, next week at the COP26, when the world is gathering to talk about climate effect, we came across a review that water sanitation does not figure in many of the presentations and documentations of the country. But yet we know that climate change has tremendous impact on water because currently almost 4 billion people, two-thirds of the world's population, experience severe water crisis at least for part of the year. And 2 billion people live in a country where water supply is inadequate. Half the world population is living in areas that will face severe water crisis by 2025. Some 700 million people could be displaced due to water scarcity by 2030, the end of SDG. So, and all of this is happening because of the uh, extreme weather condition. We have experienced in India as well that the rainfall is quite erratic. Parts of the country are getting rain when it is not supposed to be, and parts are not getting enough rain, etc. So I think this is the real challenge. And we talk about uh, day zero for water. And many cities in India 
are already on the verge of facing day zero and come summer months there will be that crisis many cities are dependent on groundwater and the groundwater depletion is taking place rapidly so i think on the whole cities will have to manage water judiciously in times to come uh, to avoid this day zero absolutely i agree i agree and i want to come to the day zero point and i think we will come to it at a later part of the segment but let's try to first understand and get in depth of uh, what how uh, how is this water supply and sanitation first monitored because i think whenever we are talking about any of these things it's first important to know the source and the sink and how the whole monitoring in between happens so what what are some things on global levels as well as in india that we are looking towards while we develop this thing as a focus thanks punit just to highlight that for water supply and sanitation there is a major monitoring program at the global level uh, which is monitored managed by who and unicef jointly this is something it's referred to as a joint monitoring program and it's something that has gone on for many many years it's one of the more successful global programs in terms of monitoring earlier mdgs and now sdgs and they have done tremendous work for water supply and sanitation they essentially rely on household level surveys that are done Uh, by countries themselves through various mechanisms sensors in india for example we do this national family health survey there are demographic and health surveys that are done in many many countries and that have been standardized over period of time there is a lot of work that has gone into developing these surveys and uh, the protocols for that so there is a very good base and the jmp has used this database to monitor both what are known as sdg 6.1 which is for water supply and sdg 6.2 which is for sanitation over a period of many years uh, this time however we also added what is sdg 6.3 which actually looks more at the wastewater and the quality of water in our uh, water bodies and so on and whether the pollution impact is lessened or not on this there is far less uh, preparedness even globally and in many many countries also so that is something that will need to be strengthened particularly uh, there is a lot of pollution by industries that happens uh, in our water bodies and this is something that is not monitored on a regular basis very well so that is those are lacuna that will have to be addressed and there is a lot of effort that again who and uh, un habitat actually work together to sort of introduce new mechanisms and new protocols in this area and that so but it's still work in progress as far as sdg 6.3 is concerned water supply sanitation are for urban are also part of uh, sdg 11 and that also that does monitoring take place at particularly at the country levels in india focus of monitoring is through our sensors 
through national family and health survey through nss and so on and particularly on uh, sanitation recently with the major government of india programs uh, sort of nationwide mechanisms like swachh sarvekshan have been introduced and they also provide good uh, ideas on what is happening throughout the country and finally at country level niti aayog is uh, one that actually also focuses on sdgs and it comes out every year with an index report for sdgs so these are mechanisms that are available at global and at national level there are one area of concern that i wanted to introduce was that in the newly formed sdg 6.2 which focuses on safely managed sanitation and that's something that will require much more effort to monitor because it requires you to look at the entire service chain including treatment of wastewater that is collected and this is something that is difficult to do through household surveys so jmp is now trying to work out globally what mechanisms or what new methods can be introduced to do this and this is something that i'll discuss later in our work also how we are trying to uh, introduce so that's broadly the kind of mechanisms that are available for monitoring both globally and in india absolutely that's and that's interesting to see as well that we do have quite a lot of things that uh, we can bring in bring on board and actually monitor things but let's first also boil down a bit more on uh, so when we are talking about uh, water supply in urban areas and uh, dineji already mentioned that groundwater is the major source uh, and there is a lot of scarcity also coming on those lines uh, so let's first try to understand so what are the other sources that are available in major am- amount of cities because cities are going to be hub of lot of things they are the centers of agglomeration or they are uh, the engines of growth or however we put it uh, but that is going to cause a lot of stress so first is how do we bring this water supply and then uh, we come to a bit part of the sanitation as well but let's try to first understand what are we including in all the water supply that we are talking about yeah no uh, you see that is uh, an interesting question because we so far did not have a clear handle on the water sources for cities typically as we all know as urban planners and urban policy makers that civilizations are have occurred at the edge of water so either rivers or lakes so that has been and water has been the bane for the demise of civilization the whole mohenjodaro and harappa and lothal the lothal uh, around in gujarat was a port once upon a time and today it's like 150 kilometers away from the port so i mean, i think there has been this kind of changes that have been taking place in water fatehpur sikri classic example near delhi city that collapsed because lack of water so water is really important with technologies and the romans told us how aqueducts can be planned etc that water can be brought from long distance so today delhi gets water from 400 kilometers away 
the city of Ahmedabad get water from uh, Narmada, which is 300 kilometers away through canal. So it is possible in some sense to transport water from uh, rich sources or dams and to the cities where it is required. But again, except for these major cities that are perennial uh, river uh, sources, large number of cities in India do not have that uh, luxury to get water from around. So uh, our uh, at, at the CWAS 10 years ago, we started what is called the performance assessment system, which was a program to monitor service delivery of water supply and sanitation by cities in India. We started with cities of Gujarat, Maharashtra in 2009, and today we cover almost 1,000 cities, five states plus all the smart cities of India. And we realized that when we asked these cities about the source of water, almost 50% of the cities still rely on groundwater. There is the surface water uh, that is supplying the other 50%. But so cities are, you know, large number of cities have, uh, in fact, some cities have 80%, 90% water coming from groundwater. So those are the cities that are going to be experiencing severe uh, challenges because of the we have been monitoring in a couple of cities. In Ahmedabad, for example, our studies students have shown that the groundwater table is depleting by one meter by or 1.5 meter per year. So every year the water table is going down that much. So if you are dependent on a bore well or on a so every uh, now and then one will have to go deeper and so we are tapping the aquifers that are very different sorry Meera, you want to come in no, just that uh, in addition to what dinesh is saying for water the other issues that become important are that, that although uh, india has done very well in terms of especially in urban areas to give water connections to uh, all citizens, because you know we reach something like 90% plus households in urban areas actually have, and it's increasing every year. GMP data actually shows tremendous improvement that we've achieved in terms of giving the new uh, phrase that is being used, her her null. That is something that is actually happening, and if even if no other program comes. It is likely that we will reach almost nearly 100%. But the issues come up in terms of whether there is adequate quality of water, whether there is adequate quantity of water, whether it is reliable in terms of hours of supply, whether the quality of water, particularly in low-income areas where they have to sometimes go very deep to get their connection, is it good or not? So these are questions that now are becoming important. So India has managed very well to achieve equity in terms of reaching everybody. But I think the next round of questions that India will need to focus and the new programs that are being taken up now under the Amrut 2, it will be the focus will need to be on ensuring that everybody has water in a reliable manner 
daily water supply is absolutely essential and the quality of water supply in your home is actually very good over time of course one will need to move to what we would call 24 by 7 water supply the new program introduced by government of odisha in puri in terms of drink from your tap kind of water supply that becomes available these are new directions that will have to be taken that sounds absolutely interesting as well that uh, as we move forward there quite a lot of things that uh, uh, you both spoke about one is how much of water is being depleted which uh, makes it a concern point for i think a lot of citizens which they don't realize uh, on why it is important to save water and that is where uh, something like uh, i would like to talk more about uh, uh, path system as well as you were just mentioning it is being implemented in thousand cities and how important when as we go forward and move towards 24/7 water supply it'll be important to you know uh, make sure that there is no leakage anywhere in the ecosystem uh and now let's also try to unfold uh, the lines of sanitation that uh, we do assume that okay uh, we need 135 lpcd water per person per uh, per person and uh, when we are talking about this 80% is considered that it will go down the drain so how is conventionally sanitation managed as of uh, now in india two important things that have happened in india in 2014 when the swachh bharat mission was launched uh, i think india was one of the first countries globally to announce that open defecation will be eliminated and so we had this massive program of toilet construction and both in the rural and urban areas and as mira was saying that even the globally it is acknowledged that three fourths of the urban population having a toilet at their home and in big cities they still have to depend on some community toilet but everyone has an access to toilet so we have all eliminated open defecation in the country. what is happening is now is that the next challenge for us is how is what you rightly said how is the waste being managed so waste from the toilet waste from the use of water now in india out of 4300 statutory cities the cities that have local government only about 400 cities have a sewerage system so they are the these are the cities occupying roughly about 50% 50 to 55% of urban population they have sewer connections so the waste water from their toilet is going into the sewer system and then uh it is carried to some facility we'll come to that in a minute but so but the rest of the urban population and almost in those 3700 odd cities there is no sewer system so they depend on what is known as an on site sanitation system now these are the cities that pose tremendous challenge for sanitation because the waste water the uh, gray water as we would call it which is the used. water the uh, new term that is being talked of is used water yeah it's not okay. actually waste water okay. because 
after treatment, one can actually use that water again. Yeah. So that water goes, water from kitchen, bathroom goes into open drains into these cities. And then the toilet waste is collected into pits or septic tanks that have to be emptied frequently. What is happening is that cities have no wherewithal to empty these uh, pits or septic tanks. When they are overflowing, neighbors complain, and then there is a private enterprise or somebody comes. And I think in our studies, we found that sometimes 3,000 rupees are charged just to empty one pit. So people are reluctant to get their pits emptied on a regular basis. So, this is the challenge for large majority of cities in India that are dependent on on-site sanitation. The management of what we call septage and fecal sludge is a major problem. And the water that comes out, the gray water that for, uh, you know, op through open nalas where the garbage or solid waste is also dumped. So that has, that has been the other challenge. And I think this Swachh Bharat 2.0 is now trying to tackle, but I think uh, this is where the major challenge of what we call fecal sludge and septic management. Now let me come to the sewage treatment plant. A recent study of the CPCB, the Central Pollution Control Board, uh, published just uh, two months ago, analyzed the sewage treatment plants. And it says that almost half of the sewage treatment plants, first of all, that the capacity of sewage treatment in our country is only 50% of what is needed. And of those 900 sewage treatment plants that were studied by them, uh, nearly half of them are not functioning as according to the standards. So I think those are the real challenges that we have. So while we have managed the front end of the sanitation system, provided toilets to everyone or access to everyone, waste management or managing this waste is an important and as Meera was just alluding to, the reuse of that wastewater, you know, although it was mandated in Amrut that 20% of the used water or wastewater had to be reused, I don't think that is happening as our surveys are showing. Sorry, Meera, go ahead. No, no, just to add to what Dinesh is saying, that uh, even in cities which have sewerage systems and STPs as Dinesh was describing. Uh, even in those cities, it is not as if the entire city has the sewerage network. Our analysis for a few cities that are covered under our path system suggests that nearly 40% to 45% of the households or properties actually do not connect or do not have connections to sewerage system. So it's not as if when we say that, oh, so many cities have sewerage system, that the entire city is covered. Half the city still depends on uh, on-site sanitation system. And this is something that would be good to recognize and to ensure that we have proper systems 
to manage the on-site sanitation systems and both collect the waste from the septic tank and uh, pit latrines and treat them properly. Our studies also show that although new treatment facilities are coming up, the connection between the toilet and the treatment facility is very weak. We just recently written a paper, we've titled it as the missing middle in sanitation. Because the middle part of the sanitation service chain is actually often missing in our cities. Let it, whether it is sewerage or whether it is on-site sanitation system. And this is something that I think over the years we will need to strengthen uh, treatment facilities because those are infrastructure investment will keep coming up. They'll still need, we'll still need to work on them as Dinesh was hinting in terms of ensuring that they work properly, they should be monitored properly, that treatment actually takes place, the quality of uh, treated wastewater meets the kind of standards that are being laid now and so on. But the missing middle is something that will certainly require attention. And I think if we talk of more inclusive uh, systems for both water and sanitation, as I said, for water, to some extent, inclusion is already happening because everybody has now water, well, mostly everybody has water connections. But in sanitation, to make it inclusive, because we rely on on-site, we will need uh, ways that everybody has easy access to emptying services and which are both affordable and regular. And that's something that we need to work on. I think maybe later we can talk about some experiments that we are doing or innovative uh, approaches that we have done in two cities in Maharashtra and now are likely to be scaled up in more cities in Maharashtra for this aspect. Absolutely. We, we will touch upon that as well. That sounds interesting. Uh, but here, the follow-up question to this I have is that, okay, uh, while we have connection of water, we are supplying water to everyone. Uh, but we don't have enough uh, middle link that, as you said. So where does this whole sanitation go? Is it directly to rivers or is it ground? How, how is this being processed? Or uh, where is the end point of this as of now? Before we move to the monitoring part, that what do we monitor and how do we monitor? In a way, it's linked to the monitoring question because we don't know what happens. In many cities, we actually don't know what happens because there is no monitoring system, especially of on-site sanitation systems. But I must uh, maybe correct myself because I think uh, under the Swachha Bharat mission, Government of India did make a lot of effort to introduce uh, sort of a countrywide monitoring system, what is referred to as the Swachh Sarvekshan. And under such Sarvekshan, in fact, every city uh, is required to monitor its services, not only uh, sanitation, but water supply, sanitation, uh, as well as solid waste management. Because the, and there are clear links amongst these three services. We often link only water supply and wastewater or used water management. But solid waste is very, very important in this because if, where we don't have uh, sewerage, where we have open drains, if we don't have good solid waste management system, then your 
nalas and open drains or even covered drains can actually become choked and create a lot of uh, pollution which can affect people's health uh, children playing in these streets also get affected quite a lot so these are issues that we will have to address as we move forward also just to add to what mira is saying that we now uh, on the sanitation front under this watch survection we talk about uh, classifying cities as odf odf plus and odf plus plus open defecation free is odf cities that have managed to provide toilets to everyone and stop open defecation free uh, or have become open defecation free when they move up the ladder of what is called odf plus those are the cities that are managing their waste properly so uh, whether it is the sewer system or whether they have the emptying properly or not and odf plus plus are the cities that are also looking at the waste treatment and facilities there is also the dimension of public toilets and things of that sort more recently the ministry of housing and urban affairs introduced the concept of water plus and those are the cities that are actually looking at uh, reuse of water and uh, surprise surprise that only some five or three cities in the country managed to get water plus certification in the last survey we just suggest that so many of our cities there is so much to be done in terms of getting uh, you know into the concept of reuse of our water and that's why what we keep saying that this wastewater is not really a wastewater it's a resource so what used to happen currently and that coming back to your question is that in most cities the treated water from the sewage treatment plant was just let out into the natural river bottom and often Uh, we find that these are the when the treatment plants are not functioning properly as cpcb saying which means that this uh, semi polluted water is actually being let into our river body now if the rivers are full but we have very few perennial rivers then there is okay dilution and not much of an effect on uh, aquatic life etc but when rivers are not perennial so they just become a source for carrying this water from them in on site sanitation this is even more serious because the waste that is emptied from pits or septic tank is just let out into the uh, open uh, fields or into water bodies now when it is let out in open field we have a slide that shows that we may have stopped open defecation but when you empty a truck that is emptying almost 2000 liters of septage onto a field it means that 2000 people are defecating at once into that field because without any treatment you are just letting it go onto the field now there are 
pros and cons of this there are practices in some states where they argue that this is a highly nutrient source and uh, also nutrient and that as long as the fields on which this is dumped is used for cash crops uh, you know the mulberries uh, silk worms and not edible crops then things should be okay you don't really need to worry because it will not get into the food chain and not harm the people but the new uh, ngt the national green tribunal says that all the waste will have to be treated up to a standard that is universally accepted so the standards are now much more stringent and even large number of sewage treatment plants are also struggling to cope with that new standards of 10 bod for waste irrespective of where it was used earlier we had what cpcb called the fit for purpose standard so if you were using it for drinking or into the natural water bodies then it had to meet some standard if it was field application then some other standard but now ngt wants the same standard applied all over so and that is making it difficult for people but i think it is important to ensure that the pollutants don't get into the system because some of these can get into the food chain and then impact on the health of people absolutely absolutely i i think that's very important and uh, while the standards can be stringent i i do hope that our systems also cope up with the same and are able to you know uh, give back to the citizen because if we are using uh, reusing this water i think it's not just conservation of water but a lot of other natural resources also will be uh, you know uh, conserved because of this whole thing uh so now let's come to the monitoring side of it and uh, i think this is where it gets interesting because uh you have been uh, working on past uh, for now some years and so what is what is the system about how does it monitor water supply as well as sanitation and what is now like is it digitally available or are we still because the capacity of ulbs might not be there on lines of uh, you know uh, doing everything digitally so how is this being executed as of now just give a brief short history but how we started with this whole idea of performance assessment system sure. which is what you refer to as pass roughly around 2007 8 we realized that there was a lot of investments that was being made in infrastructure sector post jnnurm and different programs that were being taken up by the government of india but it wasn't very clear whether these investments in infrastructure were actually getting converted to services that were being provided for the citizen it may have been but we didn't know and so our idea was that how do we actually look at uh, whether service delivery is really happening or not for the people for whom these investments were actually meant now we uh, then thought of using this globally there is what is known as performance benchmarking kind of system which actually enables you to monitor actual service provision which means earlier what we are talking about 
that it's not enough that you build a water treatment plant, but it's very important that everybody actually has access to water supply. The quality of that water supply is good. The number of hours and days for which water. So these are dimensions of services uh, in terms of actual service delivery, which is which are very important. So we developed this idea. We uh, approached Gates Foundation who are interested in supporting activities like this. And we were discussing with them. And they said, rather than doing it as a, on a pilot basis, as it had been done once or twice in India also earlier, that we do this at scale so that it's something that will not be done in four cities, 10 cities, 50 cities, and then forgotten you know, after two years. So we said we will work with the states of Gujarat and Maharashtra but we approached the state governments, both showed interest, and we said, we'll do it statewide. So it became a very ambitious kind of activity that rather than doing it 10 cities, we said, we will do 400 cities in the two states. And that meant that we had to come up with uh, tools and techniques which can actually be more universally applicable. And this sort of was a challenge that we really took up. Luckily for us, this was exactly at that same time, government of India was exploring, working out what we would call a universal matrix for measurement of these services. And what they use the term service level benchmark, SLBs as they are now known in India all over. So we actually aligned with the government of India's approach and we sort of adjusted our indicators to match with and we added some additional indicators to this whole sort of exercise. And we started doing this in Gujarat and Maharashtra. The first year our teams actually went out to each and every city to work with the cities to understand what kind of data cities actually had and whether it was even possible to do this kind of service level monitoring. And we found interestingly that in fact cities do have information. Only thing is that they are all in, you know, their files and things, and it's very difficult to actually extract this information easily. So we then worked with cities to develop ways to extract this information. We developed this matrix and the related kind of checklist which has to be used. And most importantly, we decided that this had to be made digital. And what you are saying exactly that unless you make it digital, it was almost impossible to do this on a, not only across all the cities, but on a regular basis. So that is something that was important. We then said that, how do we do this? Internally, we didn't have, we had capacity to develop this whole approach, to convert it into a proper checklist and the kind of validation checks that are necessary. But to make it a digital system, so we approached Tata uh, Consulting Services, TCS, and we ar arranged a academic industry partnership with them, which we said didn't charge their normal private consulting kind of charges, but we did pay them for their services. And it's good that we uh, not only approach them and that we develop this because now over uh, now 10 to 11 years, that this partnership is still continuing and TCS is still supporting us in this exercise. Uh, now, your question about capacity of local governments. In fact, 
local governments have developed i think initial years as i said first year it was first two years in fact our team went out and you know worked with each and every local government over time they started using this uh, digital system it took time in the initial years again they, we invited uh, local governments to come in a central place in gujarat they came to gandhinagar in maharashtra in three four regional places and again our team supported them to do this now local governments have actually developed the capacity to do good themselves and they actually do it in their offices quite uh, without spending too much time also we now work with uh, not only gujarat and maharashtra we work with three other states uh, chatisgarh jharkhand uh, and telangana and uh, these systems are being used also in their uh, state governments are spending their own money now to actually uh, continue to do this and they find that this information then they are also able to use for their own monitoring and for state level planning exercises so in that sense it's something that is still continuing we are now hoping to put this on the city finance portal of uh, ministry so that it becomes part of the national system also yeah just to carry on this conversation further over the 10 years we have couple of lessons and those are important for i guess uh, all of these digital laboratories and maybe even the nius cube that is trying to develop the digital platform for information a uh, couple of lessons that we want to highlight here number one is that all the information uh, should be in a public domain that people or everybody should have access to this information and also all these indicators that we have so our website pas.org.in now this website has information about these thousand cities so you can search them by states and know your city you can get state averages all of this and this has been used widely uh, not only by the state governments for developing their annual plans but also for cities and others because they are doing it uh, and the researchers of course and the multinational agencies are doing the second important lesson that we have learned is that this kind of uh, digital information system requires patience as you rightly said that do the cities have the capacity so we cannot do this as a one time exercise it has to become continuous we have to build capacity of cities over time and so as mira was saying in the first two years we had to hand over them go there explain to them how to not only use the portal properly but also how where to get the information within their city etc so over time that has happened and now cities are well versed in it so from earlier 3 days in a city we are now talking about you know one or one day at the most per city where cities are able to in one day provide all the information that is required the third lesson is that there has to be some kind of an incentive for cities to do that 
And on that front, we have been quite, I would say, fortunate to see that this service level benchmark uh, became a criteria for accessing the performance grant of the 13th Finance Commission of the 14th Finance Commission. So both of these finance commissions said that if cities needed to have their performance grant, then they will have to publish the service level benchmark. So that was an incentive for cities to put or to work with us also and to publish this. Also the 15th Finance Commission in its recent award has also mandated that cities come up uh, that they have to have a service level benchmark for all the metropolitan cities are required now to do it. And all other cities, at least on the four or five benchmarks, they have to match. So this incentive linked systems are the ones that will drive because in, internally cities, of course, want this information. They, of course, would need it for their, but because of this incentive of additional finance, there is a greater uh, inclination of for the cities to actually join in to our program. And as Mira was saying, we are hoping that this will be extended to all the cities. And the, my final lesson is that it, one can often tend to make this kind of data system very complicated. But one has to ensure that the information is very simple and that because at the ULB level, many people keep changing, they keep shifting. So even if there is a change of personnel, the people coming in newcomers should be able to understand that easily. So that is something that uh, will need to happen. So those are the kinds of lessons that we have. And they are quite valid for all kinds of digital things. Our final thing and what we realize is that much of our information is what in jargon we would call the supplier information, that these are all information coming from cities. The citizens, the people receiving the service water sanitation, we have not yet approached them. So we are now beginning to, uh, I would say on a pilot basis, we have started to work in a couple of cities to develop community platforms where citizens can interact or they can provide their information on water sanitation services. And then one can match whether they match with the, because the city can always claim as many cities claim that we are supplying 135 LPCT, but people at the receiving end may complain there is no water pressure, there is no water. So those are the kind of issues. So how does it match? So we are beginning to look at that. Yeah, just I'll stop. Here. Just to add to the community platform idea, yeah. something that as Dinesh said, we have started to pilot in a few. And I want to emphasize that this is very different than complaint redressal. There are all kinds of, all cities mostly have these days complaint redressal system. And They've also become digital. Uh, Government of India has also an app for this. But this is not viewed as complaints to uh, local government. It's not the community platform that we visualize. It's more for citizens to assess 
the kind of services that they are delivering. So it's a very different approach and uh, something that we are hoping that over time, and we would also initially at least like to focus on more vulnerable communities, uh, communities in slum areas, in more difficult areas, to see whether the kind of services that are being delivered, as Viraj was saying, on the supply side, what the cities claim, what do the citizens feel in terms of what services are they receiving? Are they unhappy with getting only two hours of water supply every day? Do they want more? Or are they actually quite happy with two hours if they are done given on a regular basis? So these are kind of questions that we would like to also understand from community. We are also trying to do this by involving local women and uh, women self-help groups to take this up. So build their digital capacity in a sense to take on this kind of activity. And hopefully then, you know, the, the local government also will view this more positively as feedback from uh, citizens rather than complaints coming from citizens. And that's a different, we haven't seen this perspective too much in Indian cities and something that we would like to experiment and try and introduce over time. And hopefully we'll be able to scale this up later on just as we've scaled up the other activities. No, absolutely. I hope so, because that sounds uh, very interesting. And I think uh, somewhere, whenever we come to digital systems, user feedback is an important entity. Uh, while we are talking about water and we are talking about feedback for the same, I do feel somewhere it aligns. And if that comes in, uh, there will be ways to you know maximize the same. And we are also trying to do something on those lines uh, with CQube as well. Uh, that how do we bring uh, citizens on board who are because they know cities in a much better way than some uh, person like me who's sitting in Delhi. Uh, and I think it's very important for us to uh, get that perspective as well when we are developing any kind of systems for them. Uh, and I, I do agree with uh, uh, Dineshji, your point as well, that uh, it's important that because city systems have uh, uh, the system is developed in such a way where people keep on moving and that is a challenge in itself as well. Uh, Thank you for listening to part one of this episode. Next week, we'll come up with the part two and continue our conversations. Here's a sneak peek for the same. What are the different things that you're actually monitoring under TS? Because uh, it should be simple enough that whoever new comes in also understands and is able to deliver on the same. So on those lines, if you are talking about water supply system, what are the different things you are trying to monitor or measure uh, as well? You have been listening to Understanding the Future podcast. To know more about Climate Center for Cities, check out our website www.niua.org slash c-q the show is conceptualized, produced, and edited by Punit Gandhi, Senior Associate at CQ. You can now subscribe to our podcast on your favorite channel, which can be accessed through the credits. Also, don't forget to follow us on our social media for more updates. Do share your reviews with us and help us spread the podcast to your friends and colleagues. Do write to us if you would be interested in learning about any specific topics. 
thank you and stay tuned for our next episode